0: You're listening to Episode 7 of the Becoming Aligned Podcast. Welcome to Becoming Aligned, where we'll step away from the busyness of our days to explore what it looks and feels like to create meaningful lives that align with our personal values. I'm your host, Maureen Ryan, the founder of Ryan Wellness. I hope these conversations will serve as inspiration and as a reminder that through the ups and downs, we're all in this together. Welcome to season two of the Becoming Align podcast. I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity, opportunity to interview my friend, Lynn Rogers. This woman is driven, talented, funny, and has some amazing and inspiring stories to share. She went from someone who was ready to do an Ironman to being temporarily paralyzed from the chest down and discovering the cause was an autoimmune disease called Guillain-Barre syndrome. Her diagnosis was later changed to the chronic version of GBS, which is CIDP. But we'll learn more about that in part two of my interview, which will be out next week. In part one, we get to know about, more about who Lynn is as a person. We get a glimpse into how she developed her positive, growth-oriented mindset, and we learn the importance and value she places on community and how well that served her. It's pretty incredible. I hope you enjoy part one of my interview with Lynn Rogers. Hi, Lynn. Thank you so much for taking time to be on the Becoming Aligned podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Um, when I, I'm when thrilled I, to be here. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Lynn. When I, when I started this podcast, I was brainstorming people I wanted to have on the show, And you're definitely someone who came to mind like right away. Um, We've had a chance to kind of get to know each other a bit over the years since we have friends in common. Mm -hmm. And we see each other at parties and different social events. And you know, you're someone I always thought of as this just passionate, fun-loving, go-getter with... uh, Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, seriously. Absolutely. And you know, like, I kind of get to see you in these social settings. And I was just like this girl, she's just kind of make like living life to the fullest. That's, that's just always how I thought of you. Okay. And uh, you'd be taking that. Oh out- <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> that's such an amazing, it's just an enormous compliment.
1: I don't even oh. know. I don't even know how I can, you know, stop, <laughs> stop blushing
0: anytime in the next decade. Oh, that's so, that's yeah.
1: really, really sweet. That means a
0: lot. Oh, no, it's 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 true. It's true. It's like, And that you'd be taking on these different challenges and, like, going on adventures. And I'm like, this girl is just, yeah, she is living life to the fullest according to, like, you know, whatever your value set seems to be. It's like I kind of felt like I had a sense of what that probably was, just kind of getting to see you and hear about what you're up to. Um, But, like, recently, like, you've been kind of forced to take on a new challenge with the diagnosis of, (laughs) of, yeah, of this autoimmune disease, which – We'll, we'll talk about more later, but like I admired you before, okay. but the grace and the grit that you've shown throughout this process. And, you know, granted, for me, it's from a, a bit of a distance, but it's just, it's been really in- inspiring and, um, and also educational, oh which I've really appreciated. You know, wow. like you're like, wow, yeah, okay. oh my gosh, no, seriously, like that's how I feel. Um, and I thought ah! others. <laughs>
1: like okay i learned a long time ago that you cannot run and cry at the same time it's also true for podcasts i feel all
0: right yes yes i know but like i thought i thought others would really appreciate hearing and learning from your story too and i know you're you're in the midst of i mean it's an ongoing story but um it is an ongoing process no question about it yeah Yeah, but I would just love if we could take some time this next hour to learn more about you and what has helped shape you as a person, as well as learn more about, you know, GBS and CIDP, which we'll like to find as we go along here. But, um, maybe if if you wouldn't mind starting us off by just telling us a little bit about you as a person and like, you know, what you do, how you spend your free time, you know, just what you like to share. I know it's a kind of, it's a big question, but... Go for it. <laughs> it is a big question. I'm used to I'm used to
1: answering this in the professional sense. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with that just to Perfect. put those titles and those affiliations in the background on there, and uh, I'll try to flesh out a little bit of the of the you know it, I'm the first one to say it doesn't define you who, who you are. Yes. What, what you do for work doesn't define who you are. It's certainly a big part of mine. But okay, so yeah. starting there. So I am. Um a research scientist at the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, and I direct the Neuroplasticity Laboratory there. Um, I'm also a research assistant professor in the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Northwestern and um, the Feinberg School of Medicine. So what I do, yeah, what I do is, to I'm was i a biomedical engineer by training. Um, I also have a kinesiology background, which means kinesiology is, you know, the... The science of how we move, Mm -hmm. kind of the physics of movement, Um, biomedical engineering was just the next step of that for me, and I mean up in terms of, um, I was actually a graduate student in kinesiology before I ever went into any kind of biomedical engineering, um, and that was because I looked at what I was doing, and I just felt like I needed a little um, more intense I needed a better toolbox. I needed a more intense set of school tools, excuse me, that would help me um, answer some of the questions that were coming up that I was interested <sighs> in answer, interested in answering. So biomedical engineering became the next step. And so I was totally roundabout. You know, I ended up doing a master's in biomedical engineering, um, adding that as well as doing my master's in kinesiology at the University of Wisconsin. And that eventually brought me to doing my, my PhD in biomedical engineering at, uh, at Northwestern. And then I have stayed, been able to stay in this area ever since. So yeah. So what I do is to um, investigate how the brain controls human movement. That's probably the the simplest way to say it, Um, where it gets, with things that sound weird, I use what's called non-invasive brain stimulation okay.
2: um,
1: to to be able to answer those questions. So non-invasive being, you know, no surgical procedures. I use um, a lot of tr- transcranial magnetic stimulation, which is just oh. a magnet. A very strong magnet, are uh, an an electromagnet, in fact, that's held on on top of the head or on the surface of the skull, and can help activate very particular and precise um, areas of the brain. And so, wow. I activate areas over that that control that control muscles. Mm-hmm. And so, we look at. How those signals make it down to the down to the muscle, and how something like a stroke might affect them, something like multiple sclerosis might affect them, or as you mentioned, GDS, CIDP okay. might affect them. Yeah. Um, it, it's a tool, um, yeah. but also a potential rehabilitation technique. So I'm looking That's at so cool. you know all the different things that could influence how the brain controls movement, which has taken me in a variety of different directions. Yeah. Um, so that's me professionally. Okay. Um, I guess personally, what I connect with and, and the things I do outside of work, the stuff, mm-hmm. um, I tend to do a lot of things that are physical. Um, I am a runner. I am a triathlete. Um, I'm a crossfitter. I love doing those very physical things and the people that I do them with, which yeah. is kind of... Um, Intrinsic and yeah. for me
0: necessary piece of the whole thing. Yeah, I love it. I love how you mentioned the people you do them with because that, like, yeah, definitely becomes oh, a big geez. part of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. For sure. So for interesting because sure. one of the questions I was going to ask was how, you know, the biomedical engineering came, became a part of it. Like, I um, right. Yeah, because I studied kinesiology for my undergrad, actually, and that's, I, yeah, I, I until I started kind of doing a little research, yeah. I'm like, oh, my goodness, look at all these. I was so impressed looking at your, like, bio. <laughs> I'm like, she's just grabbing as many pieces as you can, and it totally makes sense hearing you talk about it, is you wanted to kind of get that yeah. toolbox of strategies and things that you can exactly. use to help people, it sounds exactly. like. exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, and I and I would say that it's it's part of what you learn along the journey.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: I did not have this mapped out, you know. and yeah. Um, I think of this probably because I've got uh, nieces that are all mm-hmm. late high school, college age, yep. and so I'm looking at them as they are pursuing, you know, whether it's their first couple of years in college, and one is a senior about to go to college, you know, yep. the other is a sophomore, and I feel like anymore there seems to be more and more pressure on kids to like have it figured out you know it's that feeling of you know we all felt like we needed to declare a major right Mm -hmm. I had so many majors I think I went in in biophysics if I'm not mistaken and kind of wormed my way around and realized that it was the people that mattered Ah. to me and was of interest which brought me around to kinesiology and then when I was in kinesiology I realized that um it was a patient population question, mm. um, a rehabbing from a disease question, more than a basic science question, or even just sport, whereas I think the physics of sport, yes. gymnastics is, you know, physics happening, was yes. um, probably brought me in there. But it was kind okay. of a refining of where I was interested and what kind of got passions going uh, yeah. that directed what I did next, what I studied next, what degree I did next, what what location I went to next, you know, it's all a process. Um, And it wasn't mapped out from the very start. And so to be open to that, to be okay with that, you know, if you're young or if you're not young, um, that's probably, there's so many great lessons that I've had an opportunity to learn. One of probably the best is I have um, a mentor and a great friend um, named Jim Steneer, Dr. Jim Steneer, who got his, and I'm not going to be able to peg him in a particular decade. But let's say he, he got his Ph.D. Um, he's approximately my parents' age. Okay. And I have only known him for 15 years at most. And we were both graduate students at the same time. Okay. So as I got to know Jim, he had done, he had multiple lifetimes. Is what I've come to learn of him. It's yeah. it, it become a joke that and there, there will never be a point where he'll um, stop surprising me yeah. with a story about oh, I once did this once. Like he built stereos <laughs> for a living, and he started the first chiropractic college in what? New Zealand. Oh my goodness! And he was worked in a laboratory and you know did lab analyses um, at the at the cellular level, and then huh. got his PhD later on in and to answer questions related to neuroscience which is how he ended up coming to the state he did a postdoc um wow. at the READ Institute of Chicago, which is now the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, and I would eventually, he was on my committee. I went to him for professional advice quite a bit. We became really good friends. I ended up working for him as my first job after my own PhD. He was the one that talked me into staying in academia in many ways, but he's my reminder that life is long, yep. and you can twist and turn and make and do new things and never ever, one of the things that I was, I was an older graduate student as a PhD student because I had taken, you know, a number of different twists and turns and, you know, had to start from scratch with biomedical engineering because so okay. I was at Wisconsin for a full four years. Um, so I was always older in the PhD program than everybody else around okay. me. And he's the reminder. I would, I would often feel like I can't do this or I can't, you know, if, if an opportunity or an option was presented to me as something different to study or something mm-hmm. to do, often my age would come to mind in yeah. a, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. You know, I, I need to be, I need to be, I'm too old to be yeah. doing this switch. And so when you look at somebody that has had multiple lifetimes of careers mm-hmm. successfully, um it changes your perspective on what, what does that mean? What is too old? Like yeah. it's, it's laughable. It's laughable that me and at 30 yeah. was saying, <laughs> I can't, I'm too old, you know? Right. And so, and so having that influence in my life has been amazing. He's that's a touchstone awesome. in so many ways. And that's, that's one of those helpful life life lessons that I think helps drive me in and, um, is that reminder to not turn things away because of, 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 artificial boundaries that we put on ourselves.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that because it's, yeah, I just love people who are all, first of all, I'm just drawn to people, I think, who are always learning and growing and it's yeah. cause it's so, yeah. um, I don't know. I feel like in some ways it's encouraged, but it's, it, it feels like it's kind of out of the norm in other in, in ways as well. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, not right. everyone does that. So that's so cool. And right. Oh, yeah. that's it's good to have those examples in our lives, I think, just because it's like, okay, if that person I can do it, completely agree. I can do that as well. Oh, I love it. I love it.
1: hmm um, It just it just forces you to change your perspective. Yeah. Um, whether you realize it or not, just just having that influence around. You're yeah. you're gonna look at things differently.
0: Yeah. I love it. So were you always active, Lynn? Were you always just this active I know you mentioned gymnastics. So was that kind of nope. your background in your nope. sport when you were younger then? Okay. It is, which is absolutely ridiculous, given the <laughs> fact
1: that I mean, Maureen, you know me; I am not a tiny, little, short person. Um, for your listeners, I am yes. five foot eight. I am not a typical gymnastic size, true, that's it? for sure. Yeah. yeah, it was just something. It was something that I loved. You yeah. know, I, I look around, and that's um, kind of a joke in our family. I am the standout. You know, of my, I've got a, I've got an older sister, and she is, you know, not much over five feet tall. Um, she will tell you exactly how many inches and it's an inches taller. I'm not trying to say that she's five on the button, but right. my mother is closer to that. So and you know, my mom's sisters are all about her height. Okay. And so it was a little bit surprising. You know, my dad and I are almost the same height. Okay. So it's not like he's he's towering. Um, but my my grandmother, my my dad's mom, um, I didn't have the opportunity to meet her. She passed before um I was old enough to remember, but she is apparently um, she. She and I are very similar in stature, okay. and so those genes were were passed along. I was a little surprised. So you know, as a <laughs> as a five year old, six year old kid, it's not like you're making choices based on that. But if I had been looking around, I would have been thinking, all right, the odds are pretty good that this, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a good fit for me. Right, right. Um, but yeah. Physically, it was not the best in terms of you know my at the time too in terms of equipment and and things. It was not the best um, scenario for for a taller for a taller person. But I loved it. I yeah. loved it. So I was never I was never phenomenal at it. I was never you know at the level where I would have been able to do it in college or anything okay. like that. But it was it was pivotal for me mm. um, in terms of being able to. In terms of who I, what you, know, you spend so many hours, gymnastics yeah. is requires of you hours and hours of training and work. Yeah. Um, and there is the necessity for. I mean, you're always pushing for perfection, right? That's yeah. our. You think of perfection. You may think of many of us may think 10.0, right, yeah. which was to be the standard
2: in gymnastics
1: mm-hmm. um, that everybody was was searching for. And so, and I liked that. I liked yeah. that work on something to try to do it. As best you can, yeah. and to do it with you know your legs straight and up and technique and you know all of these things. I like working on technique.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. But it was it was very challenging um, as I got taller and taller. So I was always yeah I was always active. I was always you know we had when you're when you're a competitive gymnast. You're in the gym at minimum, and, again, mine was at the level not on the national team team type side where you're talking about kids that are homeschooled because they're, you know, training morning and evening and all that stuff. Mine was just, you know, after school, but Mm -hmm. pretty much every day but one, if I remember correctly. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: Usually for two to three hours every afternoon a good chunk of time when you're a kid.
2: Um,
1: So, yeah. So it was always always being involved in that. Starting, um, gosh, starting. Yeah, I think I took my first gymnastics lesson when I was about five years old. Oh wow! Um, and then did that until I was sixteen. And at sixteen, okay. I uh, had a fractured fractured vertebrae. It was a stress fracture. Really? It wasn't like I had some kind of horrific fall, but okay. it came at the tail of you know. I was solidly five foot eight by then, and uh, had was. Working very hard and, and feeling like I was constantly kind of falling short of where I would want to be, yeah. and then ended up being in more pain. And you know, it just it wasn't a good wasn't a good fit to keep uh, pushing as a gymnast myself. By that point, my job. Growing up as a kid, I never did the you know McDonald's or the Chick Fil A or the whatever. Yeah. Um, I I was a I was I worked for our gym, so I taught oh. I taught gymnastics classes. Awesome. Uh, so it started with you know teaching recreational kids, and then I had a combination of um, coaching. Some of our competitive programs, as well as doing recreational teaching, um, preschool teaching, that sort of thing. By the time I graduated from high school, so oh, awesome. that was like gymnastics was still in my life, and it was mm-hmm. still in my life for you know hours a week. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. It wasn't the same. Um, and I floundered a little bit, I think, between you know, in those early, in those early college, pretty much throughout undergrad, um, I wasn't used to finding my own active. Ooh. doing what if, what is I, what am i gonna do you yeah. know i would run some as a as a high schooler um during the summer i was feel compelled probably was part of the body image things and you know yeah. i was probably thinking of it more from the standpoint of calories than i was anything else at that point which was probably true for a while right um but you know i would run some in undergrad i had one of my one of my girlfriends whereas um in one of my roommates was a girl that I uh, coached with. We both coached during undergrad as our one of our jobs, you know, to, to have extra money and all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or any money, extra money, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> any money. Um, I was able to, yeah, I was able to continue to coach and, and coached at a, at a at a gym in um, in uh, Champagne. Urbana but that's awesome yeah it was a while and it was until I was in graduate school at Wisconsin and I was heavier than than I've ever been in my life um it wasn't you know extraordinarily so but probably 15 pounds 20 pounds um heavier than I'd ever been just by the process of floundering around you know sometimes going to the gym and being good about it and then sometimes not doing anything and and all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, when um, something's So, yeah, like, I, started, I started to find running then.
0: Okay. I was going to ask, because when something's so, so a part of your life, like gymnastics sounds like it was, and then, yeah, I don't know, when you're in that competitive kind of world too and you step away from that, like you, you kind of have to either shift mm-hmm. your goals or kind of get this new kind of framework for yourself. So, yeah. So, how right. did, how did right. you find running? Absolutely. Like, how did that kind of <laughs> – <laughs> or was it fun? You that, know, though? it <laughs> –
2: First? Well, M- Madison.
1: Is, at first, it was at first it was calories. At first, Madden. it was you know trying to in terms of oh, and you know, I would run around. I would run a bit,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: definitely during undergrad at different points. And sometimes I was better at staying with it than others. And you know when I had when I had Megan, my um, college roommate, that would also run. Um, that was doing it too. We'd link up, and um, one of the other coaches that I'd run with. But it wasn't it wasn't consistent. I remember it starting being consistent in Madison. I can remember having a apartment that was on um, a little bay of Lake Monona oh, that's so and it was almost perfectly like 5K around this uh. little bay portion that's that's um, right downtown, not too far from the capital. I think would be uh, like a mile straight shot out from from the capital towards the Beltway. If anyone okay. is familiar with that, yeah. um, and it was beautiful, and I started just trying to run it and it was trying to run it <laughs> yeah. um, for a very, for a very long time. I still carried with me uh, from apartment to apartment, the, the shoes that I wore the first time I made Aww. it all the way around that day. Get out. A whopping oh, so three miles. To- they have, they have, They've been lost to history at this point lost to the fact that, you know, no no Chicago apartment slash condo as we have it now has enough storage to hold on to that many things sentimentally. But, right. and honest to God, I probably forgot somewhere along the way which pair of old running shoes <laughs> were, were those ones because I am awash with them in this life. But it just, it started to be, it started to stick a little more.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and it started to be something that I did a little more consistently. Somewhere along the way, probably around then – I think it would be 2,000.
2: Okay.
1: Um, same – Megan's getting some – Megan's getting some marathons. Same roommate from college uh, decided that she was going to run a marathon okay. and wanted to run the Madison half marathon. Ah. And so she was going to come up. She was living in Chicago. I was up in Madison and was like, hey, I'm going to come up and run. Do you want to run it too? And that gave me a goal. Okay. It gave me a something. It, yep. And so I started – yeah. And so I trained for it and uh, and ran that, that Madison half. That's and awesome. that was – the first like long distance
0: run I did, okay, and
1: for me the rest is kind of history.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Is it, it gave you get like that thing to strive for again in that physical realm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like okay, yeah. cool. I love it. It's, yep,
1: yep. So, but there was a long time between when it was for when I might, what I had in my head was how many calories am I burning on this run? Yeah, to getting to a place later where it was about more than that where I needed it to be about more than that or I wasn't – because I wasn't – I couldn't – I wasn't getting joy from it with just that. Right. I wasn't getting joy from it with just the accomplishment. And so that was the early stages, but it still
0: had, had an evolution. Yeah. When you say more than that, like what did it become for you that was more than the counting calories? Mm. You know, there was a point in time –
1: what I think of, what I think of first is, so I started running the Chicago Marathon in 2002, mm-hmm. and um, I would eventually run it ten times in a row because I get weird about wow. things like that. And once you start doing it every year, yeah, I get a little like, okay, now I've done it, but like, where do you, where do you draw the line? So right. round numbers worked for me. So when I got to ten, it was like, okay, <laughs> do something else, you know, got do every night. And, and at that point, I had done a few other marathons, so I was like comfortable branching out of my my Chicago Marathon comfort yeah. oh, zone. But funny. it felt good to have that nice. Round ten number ridiculous, but so this is this is early on. I think I'd run it a few times, but not five. Maybe okay. two or three times. Okay. Um, and I ended up running, which was for me, um, a good time, mm-hmm. solid time. But I struggled the whole way. Yeah. Um, I had to fight for it the whole way, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a bit of a, and it should be a bad a badge of courage thing, right? Yeah. Like Easy, running when it's easy is phenomenal, and you basically train in the hopes that you have. Yes. So the days where it feels like it's easy, yeah. um, getting through it when it's really hard mm-hmm. are the days that, you know, we should all take a moment and pat ourselves in the back for. But sure. what I remember about that day was that I was miserable the whole time. <laughs> the entire, you know, and for me, it's it's in the ballpark of four hours. Yeah. And wonder, I'll give myself the credit on that one. but. I was miserable the whole time. Like it just didn't feel right from the beginning, and I was yeah. able to push myself to a decent pace, but it was bad. Like yeah. I wasn't enjoying it, and there. And I, I think I realized in that that it was also true that um, the training. I wasn't enjoying either. And I had run for a long time by myself. Mm -hmm.
2: Um,
1: I thought that I had people around me at that point. This is living in Chicago now. And um, now I had uh, fantastic roommates in graduate school. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at one point, both of them uh, were were training for and did and finished um, the marathon as well. But we all ran kind of different paces. And so I thought that I had to run my pace in order to be able to, you know, train appropriately and whatnot. Um, And I think after that marathon where I was miserable all the way around, and at one point I just kind of looked at myself and said, like, what are you doing this for? Like, if you're going to be miserable the whole time, like, (laughs) what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And so I kind of promised myself that if I was going to do that race again, that – I was not going to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a waste of my time. That's yep. a waste of four hours to be miserable the whole time. And
0: the training um,
1: too. But it yeah. was also – and the training. And yeah. that's where I think my brain started to expand it to at that point. I think I was just so focused on the race itself. Uh, but yeah. there was also a degree by which I was um, – The the training and what I turned to were a couple of ways to connect with people. One, I just kind of like was like, please, can I run with you to my roommate? Mm. Um, Which then turned to we had those those years we had a fantastic time. We had a little awesome. we had a little posse yeah. of chemical and biomedical engineers. You know, we were we were a happening crew. <laughs> I love it. That um would run would run our long runs, you know, starting at Evanston, and we would run together and it was fantastic. It was my first experience of running and talking. Yeah. You know, running and telling stories. Like I'd never backed off enough to talk.
0: Ah. It's so crazy. Okay, got it. And yeah. have
1: that have that community and camaraderie and there was probably some relief in not running so fast that you couldn't talk. So yeah. that some of those days, those long run days, you know, it's more enjoyable yes. that way. Hey, go figure. Yeah. Um, so that was a big deal. I also, I remember distinctly on that marathon, there was a point and I know exactly where it was. It was coming where, you know, LaSalle and um, North Avenue, yep. where you come around the corner there's a BP station on the corner.
2: Mm-hmm, and
1: mm-hmm. when you're headed into the park and there was this huge group of people, um, middle school age girls and they were all wearing pink foam tiaras and I was and they were screaming and cheering and I was like who is it who are they Uh, what is that you know they were and that's how I found Girls on the Run Uh, which I would then start coaching for I did that for all the way through the end then of of graduate school at at Northwestern Um, I coached for Girls on the Run and was hoping then to find adults, as well as kids, like I needed something to connect with more than me, you know, besides I needed, I needed friends to connect with, I needed something else. I Mm -hmm. just kind of instinctively, it just came to the surface that 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 was a requirement. And that's probably one of the best turning points that has ever happened Hmm. for me is to recognize the needing it to be about community, needing it to be about relationships. That I that I and, and finding in that that I, I get a lot
0: from it. That's that's like really kind of profound to figure that out, though. You know what I mean? Because it it's really it such is. it's such a bonding experience when you're kind of when you're just running and talking with people. It's like amazing the stuff that can come up in those conversations, and just you just don't oh have time my for Lord, BS. Right? You're sweating, you're breathing, like you yes. just get straight to the point and. Uh, well, yeah. right, you only have 30 minutes,
1: or you only have 45 minutes, right. or you only have an hour, you know, yeah. we went ran with girlfriends this morning, and it's like, awesome. if you know that you want to get some input from them on something, or tell a particular story, like, yeah. honey, you better tell it, because, <laughs> you know, we're only out here for X amount of miles. Right,
0: right, right, oh, I love it, I love it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I you know what, I love to, I was going to actually ask you, I'm just going to go for it, and kind of, I don't want to take us too long, but. Like, in terms of play when you were younger, was it the physical stuff? Was that mm. how you would, like, get yourself lost and, like, maybe lose track of time and things like that? Was it through those types of things? Or was there other things that you would It was a little – there in? were other – yeah, there were other things. It wasn't just, like, you know, it would be an easy answer to just be like,
1: oh, gymnastics. And, yeah, you know, okay. there was some of that in there, the the uh, loving that, sure. But, um, you know, honestly, reading a book is yeah. always where I have found – the, the time can just evaporate. Yeah. Like I still to this day, although I do like to be active and do things and whatever, mm-hmm. give me a good enough book, and I will lay on the couch all day <laughs> yeah, reading totally. that book. I have no problem, no problem
2: whatsoever. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh,
1: reading that book all day long. Yeah. So yeah, when I was when I was younger, it was all um, for the most part. It was all fiction, and I would just get myself lost in those stories for sure. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah,
0: because I guess there's a part of me that's just curious if like, you know, how we played or, you know, what we kind of, um, mm. you know, how we chose to play and or maybe what we experienced while we were playing, how that might shape our kind of life journeys or the path we've chosen or if it does or if it doesn't. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, would you do you think yours well, yeah. had an impact then? Cause, I mean, it sounds like it did just in terms of how you are studying the body and things like that. But
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: For sure, for that's sure. Cool. So, you know, there were those process things
1: that, were, that are a little bit more obvious, right? Mm-hmm. Like watching, um, well, so I always I always struggled as a gymnast. Um, okay. And actually, that's probably another another point that I learned the yeah. most of is when, is when it shifted. So there was a point when I was younger, um, early on in competitive gymnastics, I actually did really well. Um, early competitive gymnastics is very much about perfecting some straightforward relatively simple movements together in routines
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so working on it and doing it over and over and over and over again and being very precise um, and trying to do things with the best form and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. that was something I was very good at yeah. so at the younger level I was I was very I was very successful it is we're defining success here as you know getting good scores and leading my team and all that sort of thing yeah okay and there's a point at which, gymnastics shifted, and it's kind of a sharp point um, for for any gymnast that would be familiar. It was moving from what are called compulsory routines, which means everybody does the same thing, and Mm -hmm. so you're expected to do do it exactly the same way, to what are called optionals, where you put together your own routines um, of your own skills, you know, your coaches and and, um, choreographers and things work on it as well, but then the skills have an expectation level of being harder. it's, It's a shift that used to be more abrupt than it is now. Now there's more like intermediate Ah. level changes that occur. But eventually, anyway, you get to a point where um, you may or may not, you know, get to a point where you just, you know, it's harder and harder and harder to learn the harder skills or to perform those harder skills. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was a combination of, you know, I was lacking both, I was lacking talent and I was, you know, graced with lots of height. So I had too much height and not enough talent um, to be able to. And so there was a shift. And so it was basically a one season difference between when I was, you know, uh, a state champion at a number of events and then in leading my team to the next year I was dead last. Wow. Yeah,
0: that's a tough shift right there. It was massive.
1: It was a massive shift. And I wanna say I was thirteen
0: okay. years old.
1: Oh yeah. So thirteen years old, something like that. Got it. Um 13, 14 maybe. Okay. Um but what I what I had to learn at that time was again, it's the what are you doing this for? Yes. You can't be you know, like to be miserable about the fact that you're last it can't be about that. Mm-hmm. Or if it is about that, then it's time to move on. So I yeah. felt like, you know, and this is this is an adult me looking back. I don't think I had these words or this this, this way in my head at the time. Yeah. But I think what I learned through that was was how to love something about when you're not winning. How, how to love the process of it. How yeah. to love the team of it. Cheering on my teammates. And yeah. You know those types of things. Oh, those are, um, those are great. Happened classes. around wow. that time. Wow. Um, so that was huge, and yeah. I think that that has been that has been enormous for me yeah. in the um, in in a lot of what I do physically. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not a fast runner. You know mm-hmm. I I wasn't before, and I certainly am not now. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah. You can find a way to, you know, celebrate in your own accomplishments. You can find ways to, you know, connect in with other people. There's, yeah. there, what are you doing it for? There needs yes. to be something that's, that's bigger than, you know, just the, the overt. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to win the race. I'm going to, you yeah. know, win the, win the meet, whatever it might yeah. be. So that was a big deal for me. I love that So man. that's a little bit, when we're, if we're considering gymnastics play, that was a big, big learning moment. From play, and I think, yeah, there's a lot of learning moments that come from putting ourselves out there, and yeah, play, for right. sure.
0: And, and those moments that things don't go well for us, um, and you know, like that, those are <laughs> such learning experiences. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, uh, I know you've had, uh, yes, yeah, I've had a few, I've, <laughs> I've had, had a, a few,
2: and
1: they've been, and they've been enormous. Yeah. They've been enormous for me. Yeah. Um, do you want me to touch on a couple of them?
0: <laughs> well. <laughs> You know what? I actually love for us. Yeah, I mean, can we jump into the recent triathlon you were training for and just kind of talk about what happened? Sure. What happened to your body? And uh, yeah, you know, just like you know. Well, I'm
1: gonna let me let me tell let me tell this story first. I'll do a super short version of the the Ironman Wisconsin story. Yeah, because okay. that. That kind of oh, helps. That's yeah. another learning one, I and kind of it kind of helps inform. A
0: okay, yes, go for that one, please.
1: I know, right? This is how crazy my life has been, that that is absolutely not the craziest thing I have ever experienced at this point. Oh, my gosh. That that's that's my, my last That's my last four years. Right. Exactly. That's, that's how, that's how nuts this last year has been. Um, So Ironman, Wisconsin, Ironman, Wisconsin was, so i have been doing, you know, marathons for a while. I have friends that I got, I've been biking forever. I've been biking since Madison. That was another wonderful thing about living in Madison is being introduced to, to biking and biking for both recreation and for, you know, uh, commuting, for transportation and recreation both. And that's been a mainstay in my life uh, since then. Um, and eventually those linked themselves together and to be like, Hey, triathlon, you know, you're only missing one of them. Oh, right. kind of important. The drowning is a problem, but you know, <laughs> if, you can, if you can get the swimming thing happening, then it could be a cool thing. Yeah. And so my closest friends had started tackling, uh, Ironman. You know, okay. I think it comes from, it's, it's kind of like if marathoners, How do you not start looking for the longest thing? Right. Yeah. Um, and it was in my head and had been, and have been my entire life. You know, oh. I remember, watching wild world of sports yes. and watching and i'm oh i'm gonna blank on her name right now but crawling across finish line right uh, the, yes yes was well, the you know the women's the women's winner in 1980 i want to say or was the winner actually she ended up being passed and she was second because oh, yeah. she couldn't walk anymore and she I'm went totally down like my dad and i used to watch yes oh I'm, it's, it's a disservice to her that i can't think of her yeah. name i should know what it is Fine. but but anyway <laughs> So, yeah, that had been in the back of my mind, right? That had, that, that, you know, it's just, it's not, triathlon and Ironman in particular was not unfamiliar to me in any way reform. So after, at this point, spectating quite a number of them, and I will say this, I have never once, never once, while well, spectating at Ironman, watched, and been like, oh, I really wish I was doing that. Those <laughs> those people look like they're having a blast. Like, I want to be on that course. Like, that has never crossed Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm usually perfectly happy with my, you know, coffee or other beverage in my hand, <laughs> cheering from the sidelines, having a great day, cheering is right. a good day, for a good time. But anyway, for whatever, I, I hit it, it was in me um, in by 2013, I will say, that it was like, okay, I want to do Ironman Wisconsin. And so I signed up for the 2014 race, oh. and I was terrified. And yeah. it had been a while since I was scared to death of something. You know, I was scared to death of my first marathon. I was more scared of my second one because now I knew what was waiting for me out there. Yeah. Um, it was it was a whole different like, oh, and it wasn't it wasn't a fear of like I wasn't afraid of swimming per se. Mm-hmm. I was afraid of the day. I was mm-hmm. afraid of my lord, what if I can't get through it? Yeah. You know? Um and there was a little bit of the I don't want to be miserable all day long. Oh, right. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think in a nutshell, I just tried to train hard enough so that I wouldn't be miserable all day long, mm-hmm. right? Marathons, I knew were going to be painful. A marathon with, you know, 112 miles on the bike and 2.4 in the water in front of it was just like, Whew. oh, my Lord. Goodness
2: gracious, Yes. Um,
1: <laughs> And along the way, once again, in the training, I was doing a lot of bike rides on my own. And eventually, um, friends can attest, at some point, I sent out an SOS. It was after Ah. an 85-mile training ride. You know, it was five hours long or whatever. And I was like, please, Lord, someone play with me. (laughs) I you know, yeah. I'm not enjoying this by myself. Yeah. I, you know, what are you doing it for? What are mm-hmm. do you doing for not
2: enjoying mm-hmm. it? So
1: I started linking up with all sorts of people. People that just bike with groups that bike on Saturday morning and bike out of, you know, a, a bike shop called Higher Gear mm-hmm. up in up in Wilmette yep. and I just started doing a better job of linking not just with my running friends and on the run, but also with all those hours on the bike. So yeah. this whole process of things was happening. Um, and all of it was trying to train hard enough and work hard enough and be out there enough so that I wouldn't be miserable all day long, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. we get up to remember Wisconsin, and it's a beautiful, perfect day, absolutely perfect day um go out and you know the swim I discovered I was prone to panic attacks so oh, I did too. a million open water swims oh yeah like this
2: <sighs> the, the first
1: the first yeah the first triathlon that I had done this wasn't my first triathlon ever I'd done one like 10 years early, earlier in, in Madison but then I hadn't done them again uh with open Pleasant prairie and I got you know, I don't know, 50 meters, 20 yep. meters into the swim and just freaked out. Same here. Yeah, Pulled myself off to the side, mm-hmm. hyperventilating, you know, yep. Yep. no good. In there. Got myself calmed down. Yeah. Yep.
2: Oh, you have. Oh, I have. Yeah. My know. first. Was oh.
1: like, you know, I don't know. It's oh. scary. Yeah. Oh, it was scary. It was very scary. scary. Finished the rest of the swim, Finished the rest of the day, whatever. But I, I kind of had in my head of like, okay, we, we need to work on this. And yeah. so yeah. I did. You know, swam with people, figured out a strategy, did all this work. I know who are swimming. And then so I remember Wisconsin, get out there, and I had a great swim. Yes, people swam over me. Yes, they were everywhere. Yes, I was kicked. You know, all the things that happened mm. in a um, – you know, it was that was when Madison was still um, one wave, so all twenty-two hundred people or whatever it is, all start at the same time and are all kicking at each other at the same time. Oh yeah, um, but it was, but it was great. And it ended up being a great swim. I came in pretty much exactly at the time that I was predicted based on other things, and yeah. and here we go. Yeah, um, you know, ran in, changed, and I was coming out of. You come out of. Uh, They actually have a building um, conference center that they use as our transition zone. And I was coming out of that and took a step out of the building and rolled my foot under and I knew when I did it, that I thought I, thought I had, had badly sprained my ankle at oh, minimum. Gosh. I've done that about 100 million times in my life. So okay. it felt very familiar. Okay. And so I knew the difference. I knew in the moment, I knew the difference between just a little tweak and
2: yeah. like, ah, okay, yeah, maybe this isn't good. Yeah,
1: um, But I also have had the experience where with an ankle roll, even a nasty one, if you stay on it, if you if you keep moving, if you keep your weight on it, like you're, you can be fine uh-huh. until you sit down and put it up. Yeah, and then when you okay. try to get on it again, you know, it maybe yeah. it may be bad news. So okay. I was like, all right, this just happened, and I was kind of in shock. And I knew, like, I was, I knew my family and all of my friends were waiting to cheer, yeah. at the, you know, to see me that I was out of the water and getting on the bike and. So I just kind of, you know, I didn't want to miss that. I didn't oh want to miss goodness. out on that moment. Yeah, um, and I think yeah. I just shoved it aside and just ran, you know, through the through the parking structure and got my shoes on and got on my bike and off we go. <sighs> um, and was kind of like, as I went along, I was like, hmm, yeah, this 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 isn't good. Yeah. I think there's something wrong here. I would I would discover pretty quickly that if I rolled weight to the outside of my foot towards my pinky toe. Um, that it would hurt extraordinarily, but if I kept weight towards the inside on the ball of foot, which is actually where the weight is supposed to be right. when you're pedaling anyway, right, right.
2: Um,
1: then I was, I was pretty much okay. Oh,
2: goodness. That okay. was happening. Mm-hmm.
1: And then about 20 miles into the bike, I go to shift, and my rear derailleur isn't working. Oh, my goodness. So, I don't know if I knew that. Know, we have we have... <laughs> I know that part gets swallowed in the mix yeah, of this as saying, well. Yeah, exactly. um, So, for a while, like it just it was for, first, it would just stick and be really hard to shift. And very, very quickly, um, across, the, across the early miles, it got to the point where I either could not shift between gears oh in the back gosh. at all, or I could only shift once. So, okay. I could shift in the front between the front rings. And thankfully, I was. I wasn't in a place where I was completely crossing where I'd be in a big trouble jumping from front, ring to ring in the front. Yeah. Uh, I was always able to do that. But the back was getting harder and harder. Um, so this course that I had trained on a million times, that yeah. I had prided myself on doing a million times so that I would learn how to shift. And I would learn how to attack it and what gears to be in and once again try to make it so that you're not miserable all day long, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, here we yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> I've got, I've got two gears. I might oh, have no more, goodness. but if I shift, that might be the last time I ever get to shift. Yeah, so exactly. So I really exactly. want to end up in that gear, you know, constantly with that? So 112 yeah. miles. Oh, gosh. Um, hey, my foot is killing me if I roll to the outside, and I can't really shift.
2: Oh, my
1: to so, I, I remember distinctly coming through, you know, it's a two loop course and coming around the second time. And I was, my time was fantastic. My time was great. My time wow. was faster than I thought it was going to be. I wow. have no explanation for that other than it wasn't windy. Okay. Um, but I do remember telling my partner, Tony, as I was coming through the second time, like, uh, I think I broke my foot. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I, it's probably going to take me a while. You know, I, remember <laughs> I was getting super excited for the marathon and as the finish of the bike was getting closer, I was starting to get more and more like, oh man, you know, yeah. what's this going to be like?
2: Yeah. Oh my
1: goodness. Um, yeah. So I just wanted them friends and family to have the heads up that, you know, hey. <laughs> Wait, we may have someone watch here. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, brought it in and you know, it was starting to get black and blue and talk to, yeah. talk to a medic. There's only so much that they can do, you know, and, you know, they don't have an X-ray back there. They're going to take one and they certainly aren't going to tell you, you know, whether, whether, you, whether they think you should keep going right. or keep going or whatever. But I definitely, when I was, you know, asking as they were kind of looking at what was happening and what's was going on with my foot, um, the first thing he asked me, you know, I did ask him, I'm like, you know, what do you think or whatever? And, and he paused and he was like, how many how many Iron Men have you done? Aww. And I looked at him and I said, I'm trying to make it one.
0: Yeah. And he kind of
1: stopped and said, at that point, I think I had, I don't know, seven something hours left. I don't know. I don't want to yeah. make it sound too exa- exaggerated, but I had a lot of time. I had yeah. a lot of time left. And so it was like, he was like, you know, if you if you think you can, um, oh. you've got time to see how it goes, and and see you know whatever. And that was that was enough like reiteration oh. for me of like yeah, that's, you know it's a good plan. It's a good plan. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll, we'll give it a try. Yeah. And uh, and yeah and yeah and so off I went. So it started with just kind of hobbling and and limping, and then eventually I would discover that depending on the terrain. Walking was no less painful than kind of steady jogging Got as it. long as I wasn't going up or down a hill.
2: Okay.
1: Um, and so the miles just picked up. So wow. that was that was Wisconsin. But what, what I remember and why it's important to me um, to tell that really long story that I am apparently incapable of telling short no. is that
0: <laughs> no, it's like, it's,
1: yeah, I it's had a great time. I had a great time. There are a million pictures of me and there I'm all smiling from smiling. ear to ear and that is how I remember that day. Yeah. Because I was telling myself I mean, the joke was on me, right? The whole I'm gonna train so hard as, so as to not be miserable all day long. And what do I do? <laughs> I break my foot coming out of the water. But uh, I was very aware that there was a choice there there was a choice in how the day was going to be and I didn't want to miss it I didn't want to miss that day that I had trained so hard for
2: um
1: there was a point at which I was you know walking a section of of the run course which I walked a lot and there was a girl next to me that was walking and she had a stomach cramp and she was just beside herself in misery probably some of that the pain of the cramp but most yeah. of it about how the race wasn't going the way she thought it was going to go and yeah. you know and it wasn't she's not keeping her pace and all these things and she's yeah. staring at the ground
2: yeah and
1: i remember me thinking she's missing it yeah. she's missing her irons. she's missing her day i didn't miss my day i laughed my butt off when you know friends had mm. pictures of me on the. they had my my head shot That yes. they had uh had made copies of uh, yeah chess single I'm talking to you and passed out to people along the way and you know it was it was hysterical yeah. and had just an absolute blast. It was a great day. It was an absolutely phenomenal day. And I think it goes back to that find joy in the process. It goes yeah, back to that, yeah. you know, if you're if you're gonna be miserable all day, why are you out here? Yeah. Um, and you- that was probably the best experience of, of living that and learning from that mm. in the moment and, and making it happen in the moment that I've ever
0: had. Yeah. Lynn, was there a point where you said to yourself, like, I don't, like, I don't think I'm going to do this or did you question it at all? Or were you kind of always like, as soon as you kind of got that guy no. to say like, Hey, you know, just go for it and try it. Why not? Like, I mean, he didn't quite say yeah. that, but like, did you, you didn't even didn't quite think say about that. It.
1: Um, No, I didn't have to think about it. And really, I was trying to be, you know, my smart self. I was thinking of all of my physical therapy friends, physical therapist friends who would be horrified (laughs) for (laughs) continuing to, you know, have done that bike ride. So I wanted to, to whatever degree it was possible... Get a little insurance, uh, reassurance that I wasn't going to be do- doing something stupid yeah. by attempting to be out on it. You know, yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to ruin the you know the ability to walk for the rest of my life right. or something. You know, not right. that a medic is necessarily going to be able to tell you that, but I wanted to consult with someone. Yeah. So that yeah. if there was anything that was overtly saying to them, game over that yeah. I, would, I would, you know, hopefully listen to that professional opinion. But, you know, just like there was no point, like, going from, I never thought, like, I'm not going to get on my bike. Like, it didn't even, didn't it cross, didn't even cross my
2: mind. Yeah.
1: It didn't cross my mind to stop when, you know, my derailleur was not working. Yeah. Like, it just, it was just, okay, how do we solve this problem? Yeah. What, what do we do now? Like, okay, this is, okay, this is what we're dealing with now. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Okay. And right. that was just how it was all the way through that's just how it was
0: all the way through. Yeah. And do you, do you kind of credit that just kind of mindset? Because, I mean, to me that just sounds like a mindset, like something that you kind of take with you through different things that you experience, yeah. right? Do you kind of credit that to, to, like, you know, even like the gymnastics story you were telling earlier, like when, you know, I'm 5'8", and I don't know, like I'm going to figure something else out and make the most of these situations. I'm going to coach. I'm going to be part of it. I'm going to connect with teammates. Sure. I'm going to find joy in the process, like you said. It's just – Um. I
1: think so. I think so. And I, and I have, I have, you know, it goes, it goes much further than my own experiences in that, you know, I have parents that Mm. are positive. I have, you know, we had a really positive environment Growing up, um, my dad, like, I was just think like, if it's a nice day outside, mm-hmm. he is, he will be living it. Like, he will say every time, like, as he steps out the door, like, oh, wow, this is a gorgeous
2: yeah. day, you know. Yeah. And
1: there's a, and so I think that there is that experience day in, day mm-hmm. out of you know, of having that um, awareness of being in the moment in mm. those things. Yeah. You know, my mom. My mom is a singer, and she loves mm. to sing. And when she sings, it's obvious that she loves to sing. Yeah. And so, seeing someone do what they love, I think, is a very big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. You learn a lot. You learn a lot from those things. That's and so, true. I think that that was as much of it as that. That probably helped inform and be able to, to lay the grounds work for being able to you know make those choices as a gymnast or see things in those ways can make that shift you know their support in yeah. in the fact that they were not it was not about what i could do or whether i was winning ever yeah. for my parents yeah. ever you know yeah. they were proud of me when i won there's no question about it but i never had the feeling that you know, I couldn't go home unless I'm you know, Mm -hmm. that, that, that whether, whether they, how how excited they were for me was based on whether I made or acquired some trick or not. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't, it wasn't about, it wasn't about that, um, in gymnastics. It was, did you do your best? Yeah. You know, did you do your best? Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and so that, that was enormous. Yeah. And so that helps you figure out, you know, is it about winning or, you know, what is it about actually? Well, did you do your best? You know yeah. those, those things are, are innate and they come from family as, they, as much as they did from experience. I think that they all build that, that those are all layers upon themselves. Yeah I on from I, I look back on that day yeah and, and loving it, but I also look back on that, that turning point in training when yeah. I said, why am I doing this by myself? I yeah. can't yeah. and there are friendships that are key to my life right now Mm. that started right then Mm. that came from the fact that I was like hey who else bikes you know yeah who can I bike with
2: um
1: and now it's quite literally quite literally where on this planet can I bike with you yeah people that I started biking with Then, you know like there there's all sorts of things
0: that you open yourself up to um with those but okay so what what happened so So what happened? You'll have to turn in next week to hear the rest of Lynn's ongoing story, and it's worth listening to. I hope you enjoyed part one of this interview. I have to ask, were you listening to part one and thinking there is no way that she was smiling while doing an Iron Man on a broken foot? I can imagine that seems a bit unbelievable. To see proof, check out this episode's show notes. I've included some pictures there. And was anyone else thinking that we need to take some of Lynn's quotes and put them on a t-shirt? A few of my favorites. I didn't go through all of this, fill in the blank, to not have a good day. Find joy in the process. And what are you doing this, fill in the blank, for? She leaves me reflecting and thinking about how she she's really fine-tuned and figured out what her why is. And a big part of that seems to be community. I know that community has been a huge source of strength and support for her this past year. In part two of our interview, we'll learn more about her experiences, challenges, and triumphs this past year. We'll also learn more about guillain barre syndrome and CIDP. I hope you'll take time to listen to hear her incredible story. Thank you for listening this week. Wishing you all the best. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Becoming Aligned. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Becoming Aligned and rate and review this podcast. I'm Maureen Ryan, and I hope you'll join us next time. Take care.